All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck sticks? Yeah, I used that last one. How's it going? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I imagine that uh, some of you Jews are not with me today because you're praying. You're praying to God to write you into the book of life one more year to forgive you your transgressions, your sins, your fuck-ups, to share your secret heart with the Almighty. That's what's up today, Jews. Yesterday, last night, was the night I was born, 1963. Kol Nidre, the holiest night of the Jewish year. The holiest night. And this was the first time in my recent memory that I, my birthday actually fell on Kol Nidre. But my buddy Danny LaBelle, a scholar, a Jew, told me that in the Jewish calendar, it's always on Kol Nidre. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it. Does that give me special powers? Does it give me a pass? I've not been a religious man. I think on on my better days, I'm on the cusp of, of being spiritual. Certainly, this last year has uh, tested my uh, my mettle uh, spiritually, psychologically, mentally, physically. Is mental and psychological the same? Let's lump it together. Certainly, I've been tested. But today is the day. I don't even know how many Jews are going to be listening to this on the day it is released because they should be in temple. But who's going to temple with the COVID? Then you should be not eating. You should be fasting today, sitting in front, maybe davening in front of your your laptop, asking God to forgive you for your sins and write you into the book of life one more year. Forgiveness is a tough one. It's a tough one. Cecily Strong is on the show today. Um, we talked to her a little while ago. Uh, that was it was exciting. Uh, the season premiere of Saturday Night Live is this Saturday, October third. Uh, we talked to her right before the Emmys, a little before actually, where she was nominated for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, and she's a funny person. I like her. I like her energy. I'll be talking to her soon. So. Yeah, I reflect, I reflect on this day, or yesterday, my birthday. I'm recording it on my birthday. Didn't know what to do on my birthday. The eve of Kol Nidre. So I drove down to Malibu and I sat on a rock. And I looked at the, at the sky. I looked at the sea. I listened to it. I tried to meditate a bit. Spoke to Lynn, spoke to God. And I'm a little iffy on the God part, but I speak out into the sky. And it's interesting because my buddy Danny said, today is the day that God is closest to us. Today is the day where you can speak to God personally, as if he was right here, close, like one of us. He's among us today. Wandering around. I was born. I was escorted into this world by God because this is the day he comes down and deals with shit, apparently. So, on behalf of everybody, I just want to speak to God right now. I don't know what you believe in. And I I know this is not uh, a unique prayer, it's just very basic. But, God, help us. Oh, please. 
deliver us from this fucking bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about the cussing, but I was told that we speak to you today like you're like one of our pals, like one of us. Really, seriously, man. God, sorry. God, give us a little something to go on here, to give us a little hope. See us through this psychotic clusterfuck. What do we have to do? I've been asking the God that I barely believe in, that I may not believe in. I've been asking the universe to please tell me what to do. Am I doing enough? You don't have to answer that, God. Just do me a favor now that you're here. Forgive me my sins and my transgressions. Ease my heart, please. But please, on a bigger level, help us out, will you? We're struggling here. Okay? Can we do that? Yeah, I know you brought me here on this day. All right? Just help me out. Just help us out. Is this a test? I know you're into that. Please, God, help us. Thank you. And get, could you just drop my name in the thing? Thanks. Thanks, man. God, sorry. So, did I tell you I went down to the beach and sat on a rock on my birthday? Took some breaths. Did what you do at the sea. It's nice to go to the sea. It really is. I sat there and I listened to the waves. I took the deep breaths. I thought about things. I, I talked to the sky. I watched the fishermen. I talked to the sky as I do in the morning. And I said, what should I do? How can I help? How can I be of service as the world burns to no one in particular? And then I told Lynn that I missed her and I love her. I told that to the sky. I was 57 years old yesterday. Tough times. So what have you guys been up to, man? I got another COVID test. I'm negative. I was negative the other day. I'm probably still negative today. But I'll tell you what I did do the other night for the first time in five months. I don't know if you can hear the clarity and peace in my voice, but I went to a secret club. I went to the secret society meeting, a real one with other people, a secret society meeting outdoors, distanced. And it was a meeting that uh, I've been going to for about 20 years. And I tell you, man, I was crying. I was doing a little bit of crying because I see people there that I've seen for literally almost 20 years. Walking the walk, trudging the road, whatnot. I needed it. It was nice to get back into the groove of the, uh, of the language, of the context, of the community. It was something. It was like a return. It was like a spiritual return over this Yom Kippur. So I feel good about that. And I did another thing that uh, I have not done in a long time or never on purpose or with intent. But I, uh, I went gun shopping with my friend. That's where we're at. So yeah, me and the nicest guy I know went gun shopping. And it's got me thinking, you know. It's got me thinking about the things we have now, the things we do now. A variety of masks, plastic visors, hand sanitizer, alcohol in the house. Fear, gloves, some gloves if you need them. This is the world we live in. 
and just see how it's fucking our brains. This and this horrendous psychopathic non-leadership at the helm. It's embarrassing, globally embarrassing. But I was looking at guns. My buddy, I'm telling you, this guy's a artist, musician, poetic sensibility, nice guy. He said to me a few weeks ago, "Do you want to? What do you think about guns?" I'm like, "I don't know. I grew up with guns. My dad had guns. There were guns around. I grew up in New Mexico. I, I guess on some level, I don't have a problem with responsible gun ownership. I've thought at different points in my life of kind of getting one, but I generally believe that they're shit magnets. They they kind of want to be used." It's another relationship you have in the house that's in the drawer, but you know it's there. I did one of my favorite jokes about a gun about that years ago when my wife Mishna, we got we got robbed because she left the doors open and she was sleeping. It was scary. It was horrible. I wasn't home, but she wanted to get a gun. I understood that. But I, I realized that, uh, you know, my wife wants a gun. And at that point, at that time, there was no way. I was getting my wife a gun because that would be kind of like me saying, I want to kill myself, but I want it to be a surprise. One of my favorite jokes. Thank you. Thought I'd throw that out to you. But I, I had no idea what one needed to get a gun here in California. And apparently you just need to go and get a gun. You know, there's this uh, gun safety card, but you can take the test at the place. And we went in the afternoon. We drove out to Burbank and went to a place and we walked in. Now, I knew I wasn't going to get a gun, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But we walked in. It was There's a few people in there, a few people working there, and they're like, what can we help you with? And I'm like, I guess we're looking for handguns. And they said, well, all we got is revolvers. And in a case, they had 38s, 357s, bigger ones, big revolvers, old style, the kind that I grew up with. They had clip guns, but I guess everybody wants the Glocks, the 9 millimeters. Plenty of revolvers, right? That seems like you would. that'd be enough right but i guess you know we had in our head we were looking for glocks and we said well what's the deal they get in they come in when can you order them and they were basically like we don't know what we're going to get in day to day but people come every day you got to get here early in the morning and line up and see what comes off the truck that's how gun sales work got to get there early and see if you can get yourself what you need what you want for whatever reason that you think what's coming we went to another place but he didn't want to stand online but i, I knew i was going to get one because in my mind okay because i said to him i said well, what are you preparing for exactly and he was like well if they come i want to be able to defend them they who they you mean if the other side the right the militias the armies i mean if they that's the war you're fighting handgun's not going to help you in that picture i don't think But when it comes down to desperation, panic, anger, thousands of people unemployed, homeless, with nowhere to go, no safety net, no options in the major cities, that's real. You would think that leadership could help that out or we could help that out somehow as opposed to prepare to kill them. Tragic. That was my reasoning Really, for not, you know, I'm not going to buy a gun to shoot angry, desperate people who have fallen through the cracks and are roaming the streets of our city 
trying to survive, creating chaos, because that's what they're living in. I'm not going to buy a gun to shoot those people, my fellow Americans who have fallen on hard times. No, I'm going to move the fuck out of this city is what I'm going to do. If you're afraid that your city is going to fall into lawlessness and chaos and you're going to buy a gun, why not not buy the gun and try to get the fuck out? It is a bit scary how easy, easily people can buy guns and how many there are out there and how there really is no effective way to track it and there doesn't seem to be much background checking. Obviously, gun safety is important if we're going to have it. But I understand the Second Amendment. And I understand the fear. What's more frightening to me is reasonable, progressive people with good hearts are, are now sort of drifting into this mode of panic and fear where they need to arm themselves and Right, it's their right. I get that, but it's a, it's a, it's a severe indication of, of where we're at. And I told him, man. I said, well, what? I mean, you could probably just get the thirty-eight, the old Saturday Night Special. And he's like, but then we'd have to reload. I'm like, what are you picturing? <laughs> Do you want it for to protect your house or to, you know? I mean, honestly, I would think that what you need is just a fucking shotgun. That seems to be the way to go. I'm not getting one. And it's sad of this this panic that this divisive fuck has caused us. Drove out to Malibu, sat on that rock all the way down. I listened to uh, Tim Maia, M-A-I-A, great Brazilian artist. I listened to uh, Nobody Can Live Forever on repeat, man, on repeat. It was, uh, he's an interesting character and uh, I, I enjoy that song. It's just a straight up, it's almost a fragment of a song. It's just a, a little three chord, slightly psychedelic funk groove. Nobody can live forever. One thing you have to agree with and that's for sure, nobody can live forever and everybody is the same. Sooner or later, you're going to, understand that nobody can live forever nobody will know how i feel nobody can give the answers nobody can play but for real there's no god there's no heaven there's no devil there's no hell don't you worry don't you worry play your music play your music dig it Happy birthday to me, Jews, be honest with God, people. Hey, my dad's calling me. Hold on. Hello? It's your brother. I mean, your father, man. How you doing? It's my father, not my brother. I'm okay. How are you, Dad? Okay. Hey, you're 67? 57 years old, pal. Oh. Uh, nice to have you aboard. Thank you. How are you doing? Love you, man. I love you too. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you do anything more as far as? Uh... Oh, I. Uh, well, not really. I'm just doing the podcast and stuff. And today I went down to uh, the beach for a minute by myself and sat on a rock. And uh, Netflix sent me a nice uh, gift basket, so I ate some cheese and bread. And uh, you know, I'm just trying to have a birthday over here. Bought some fish. Might eat yeah. some. Might eat some oysters. Oh yeah, that's great. Okay. 
you sound, you know, you, you sound good. You, you sound up to par. Good. I like to be up to par. Well, I love you, Dad. I love you, too. Take care of everything. Okay, you, too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I'm up to par. <laughs> Cecily Strong is here. Saturday Night Live is back this Saturday, October 3rd. We talked uh, prior to the Emmys. Uh, she was nominated for the Outstanding Actress in a Comedy Series. And um, I'm a big fan of hers. Here we are. Here we go. This is it. How are you? Can you see me? I'm all right. I can. How are you? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Do how could do we never met before, huh? I don't think so. I guess. I mean, if we did, it was you know really quick passing. Not a thing. I think I was up there. I was at, yeah. I was at SNL once. What was I doing up there? Oh, I remember. I was interviewing Lorne, and I saw some. That's right. Yeah. I saw some people, but not you. No, I hide. Yeah. Do you? I, I well, I'm not in the hallways. No. I'm usually on a couch. And a, is that a scene? Is there a hallway scene? If there is, <laughs> no one told me. I don't know about it. <laughs> Where are you holed up? Uh, I'm in Rhinebeck. Oh, that's nice. It's really, really nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to buy a house here now. I've, I've fallen in love with this part of New York. Yeah, there's a bunch of those little towns up there where people used to buy houses back in the day, and I guess they still do. I had a friend who had a house in Rhinebeck. It's pretty. Yeah, I have friends nearby. Is that the Hudson Valley? Yeah. And how's it how's it been going up there in the in the quarantine? Have you had to, have you had tests? Have you had COVID tests? Um, no, I haven't. No. We, it's only been my friend Kevin and I. We've been we left March 24th. I. I did a voluntary quarantine for two weeks from March 12th to March 24th. Yeah. And then that's because I had been with someone who had COVID. Oh, really? Yeah. But I didn't, I mean, I took my temperature with this dinky little thermometer 18 times a day. Yeah. That's fun. So I don't think I had it <laughs> then. Yeah. How's the person who had it? All right. Yes. He's better. Well, that's good. I mean, we're still, it's, you know, every day a new article comes out that's troubling about everything. About everything, right. But the, I'm always like, uh-oh, well, you might have organ damage oh, now or something. Oh, God. As if I need anything else to, to, make you. to make me think someone has organ damage. <laughs> I'm already assuming it. <laughs> that we all have organ damage? <laughs> that we're all dying some, every day. Of course. There's some catastrophe. How are you handling that? Do you go, like, what's your stress level? Are you, I mean, can you handle it? Or do you freak out? Um. I, you know, I've been better these days, maybe ha getting to sit more. And I have a psychiatrist and a therapist and Wellbutrin and Xanax if I need. Wellbutrin, that works for you? That's, yeah, I really, I really like it. I haven't done that in a long time. Uh, there was a period where I did some Wellbutrin. It used to be uh, prescribed to get up. For quitting smoking. Yeah, right. Had a different yeah. name. Well, I think I knew it as Wellbutrin, but my mom uh, was a nurse practitioner for a long time, and the first time I took it was just briefly to quit smoking. Did it work in college? No, no, but I did quit smoking, just not then. Oh, and now you just take it for your brain? Now it's just for my brain. Oh, it used to jack me up like speed. I used to feel like it used to get me crazy. Really? Yeah, I think so. But maybe I, I might have think... been doing other things. No, right. I think I'm so tired. It's like nothing can jack me up 
<laughs> and then nothing could put me to sleep. <laughs> I have a I have a whole like a routine to get to bed. Your mom was a nurse. She's, I think, like fully retired now. She was the nurse. She started in public relations for a long time, and then when she was forty six, she uh, went back to school to be a nurse. She got divorced, and then um, she went. Then she became a nurse practitioner. Huh. And she what, worked what at the that, Walgreens is, Clinic for a long nurse- time, and almost got them to unionize, but. Oh really? I didn't didn't do it. Yeah. She was a, a union leader type of person. Yeah, I mean you you have to be if you're from Chicago. Yeah, it's in, it's in our blood. Yeah. <laughs> Got to unionize. Union. <laughs> yeah. She divorced your dad at forty six. Well, my dad divorced her. Oh. But now I mean it's fine. Yeah. yeah. My parents divorced when I was older too. It's a weird thing, where you have that moment where you're like, so what what was going on the whole time? Yeah. Well, I was I was 10 or 11 and it was Oh, wow. Okay. So I my dad's been married to my stepmom for longer now, oh. I think. Oh, I was 35. It wasn't yeah. that traumatic for me. Oh. I think it, it was probably traumatic for me. That's <laughs> yeah, part, part of the well-butchered maybe. Yeah, I mean, at 10s that's rough when your folks get divorced at 10. Yeah. I mean, there's it's that's hard to say that's rough in Especially with everything now. I guess it depends how it goes after. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Right, right. But, you know, trauma's trauma. Do you have uh, Do you have other siblings and stuff? I do. I have an older brother, um, and I have a younger stepsister and an older stepbrother. Oh, a lot of people. Yeah. And you grew up the whole time in Chicago? Well, just right outside. I grew up in Oak Park. So not. I only say Chicago to people who are not from there. Oh, I like Chicago. I've grown to like it over the years. I mean, like I, I, I went there a lot over the last decade and it's got a real like thing of its own. It's its own cool place. Yeah. Sometimes I love it and would have a lot of pride. And then sometimes I'm like, what, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> what, what, what causes that shift? You know, I think the only thing I can say off the top of my head that I remember, and this is so lame to use this as an example of why I think that, but it was um, when I went to New York, like immediately <laughs> I got invited to a Knicks game and they really treat you really well at MSG. Yeah. And I was like a nobody on the show and we still got to sit on the court and go to the owner's suite and everything. And I thought, well, the Bulls will do the same. It's my hometown, yeah. you know? And uh, they did not. And we were way in the back. And like Jenny McCarthy and um, uh, Belushi were on the court. And I was like, that's these are our like stars from Chicago. What a bummer. <laughs> Jenny McCarthy's a Chicago star. Yeah. Oh, you guys made her, huh? <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, I'd prefer to talk about Michael Jordan. I sure. mean, I think we'll we are forever will be in the conversation because of Michael Jordan. Oh, for sure. Who and Barack Obama? Oh, yeah, yeah Barack Obama, of course, and um, a lot of the other. There's some early sketch performers that were Chicago, but you know, Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of it too. Yeah, Bill Murray's important, <laughs> isn't he? Chicago, Bill. I think so. I think everybody was at least in Chicago. I don't. I get confused over who's Canadian and who's Chicago. I think he's Chicago. So when did you start like getting uh, the, in, interested in, in in actually doing uh, performing? Were you a little kid? Um, I started. Yeah, I was little. I was um, just always singing and dancing and being a weirdo around the house. I did an impression of um, 
the Chunkin' Head guy from Beetlejuice. Oh, you did? That's very specific. Uh, and so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, that was the funniest one. He's only in that one scene or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he just turns to look at Beetlejuice, <laughs> and it was a great look. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not in your um, repertoire anymore. I don't know. I don't know that anyone. I mean, I talk about it, obviously. Yeah. But uh, then my parents put me in. Uh, I was I, I grew up in Oak Park. So this is a very Oak Park sounding um, preschool. But I went to Suburban Child Development Center. Wow, that sounds like, uh, you know, you were in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe. I, I, I mean, or it's very Oak Park and it's run by two two lesbians with an acoustic guitar. Oh. What is Oak Park? Characterize it for me. So, well, Oak Park is um, different when I grew up than it is now, I'm pretty sure. But it's so the Frank Lloyd Wright, Ernest Hemingway, oh. that's all Oak Park. It's, it's just right on the <laughs> that's- border of Chicago. So the trains go to Oak Park. Right. The taxes are are getting higher. Good schools, but uh, it's made the taxes go up a lot. But it was very, when I grew up, I was lucky enough that it was pretty economically, religiously, racially, whatever, diverse. You know, I got to grow up around a lot of people and and ideas. Yeah, I like that. You know, you just like Frank Lloyd Wright and Ernest Hemingway and that sort of, get it? Frank Lloyd Wright. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an intellectual. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can say those two names. And the, and the lesbian preschool. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. they sent you there, and that's when everything started. I took a drama class, yeah. And then um, I my first play I did was Grapes of Wrath at the Village Players when I was eight. Oh, in, uh, I assume you played a child? I played Ruthie Joad, who was 12. So wow, okay. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> yeah. And now, and did you did you realize that that you wanted to be on stage for your life? Was that it? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, no, I for sure did. Uh, and my uncle is a producer in New York, and was always against it. Really, he until knew that, he couldn't be anymore. <laughs> he was against it because he knew the life you were heading into. He, yes. he was concerned yeah. for you. Yes, and then I think my mom told me recently we had some relatives. She had some relative that was worried i'd become a neurotic oh she'll become a neurotic or something yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah well she was right so there's the diagnosis she'll become a neurotic <laughs> what do you come from yeah. uh, what are your people do you come from uh jews or what no my family is um my dad and his brother were mil- were army brats super waspy but all their families southern but so i don't know them yeah. very well uh, and my mom was waspy too. Her she grew up in New York, and her dad was like a Manhattan ad man. Ad man, old timey ad man. Yes, but being a wasp means um, you get a fun surprise. I made them both take DNA tests, and I made my mom take a DNA test, and there was like Spanish and Scandinavian in there. Oh, really? But in such high numbers that so I was like, Mom, so your grandma or great grandma. <laughs> Had a different baby. She didn't tell the truth on paper. Right. So you have a lot of uh, Spanish in you and Scandinavian? Not a lot. Just and whatever a grandparent. I think it's like, and who knows? I mean, the numbers are 10% to 15% on one of the DNA tests I've done. Hmm. That's a lot. At some point. So your dad. Yeah. So your dad was like a military kind of guy? Yeah, he grew up. Uh, so I'm named after my grandfather, Colonel Cecil Strong, who's now in Arlington. But my dad had to answer the phone. 
Colonel Strong's residence. William speaking. Wow. <laughs> he did that one in your house? <laughs> <laughs> no, our house was like armpit farts and right. like fart jokes and punching butts and there you go. screaming. That, I think those are the comedic yeah. roots we're looking for. I think we found them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We lost, we did not have any of that discipline. <laughs> armpit farts. I missed us. I haven't thought about yeah. armpit farts in a while. I've tried so hard for years to, to be able to do it. And every now and then I could do it. But nothing consistent. No. No. <laughs> I, it's not a consistent skill. <laughs> it's not on my resume, you know? I try to be honest on my resume. You have to put it on your resume. Just say, <laughs> just say occasionally, armpit farts sometimes. I mean, that's sort of... Anytime people ask for a special skill, it's like the most terrifying moment because I don't have any. And all my special skills are like, I can make this weird noise. I can roll my tongue. I'm not a, but I can't go horseback riding or something. I'm not a sailor. Not a sailor. <laughs> but I can do that. Sound. That's good. That's, I mean, I think, yeah, yeah I think I'm more, it's probably more practical than uh, horseback riding. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So when you went to um, high school and stuff, did you do all the plays and things? Um, I did. I had a, a colorful high school career, though. Really? Um, Were you in jail? Well, <laughs> sort of. So I uh, I was in theater, and I loved doing the plays, and I was in, like, jazz choir, huh. and I got straight A's. But then I also, like, the, I bought the first bag of pot I ever bought, they found, and I got handcuffed and like marched through school and arrested and so then i and then i got expelled for a semester oh my god uh, then i went to catholic school for the end of the year to get to the end of the year and then i went back to public school i got super depressed it felt like you know I wasn't going to graduate on time because I didn't have consumer ed, consumers ed or and enough gym credits, which was so uh, like just I was understanding bureaucracy for the first time, I think. Right. And it was like, well, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And I dropped out. I went to the library in the park every day. And then I wound up um, my senior year. I went to Chicago Academy for the Arts and I, I found my people. And I did some correspondence classes and I graduated on time. I found all the weirdos. So you got busted for pot at public high school? Yeah. And then, and that was sophomore year? That was my sophomore year. And I remember like asking the security guard if he could check the cast list for shadow box <laughs> to see if I'd gotten Beverly. <laughs> While they were taking you out in cuffs? I did get the role. I didn't get to do it. Oh. And so you got suspended from there for a year? Expelled. Expelled. So I had a full expulsion hearing. And um, then, like, you know how you do the PSATs yeah. for national merit, yeah. whatever. And so I was, in, I got a letter saying, you're a national merit commended scholar, but I wasn't allowed within a three-block radius of my high school. And then they sent you to Catholic school for the rest of that year? Well, no, they wanted to send me to, like, an ombudsman. Budsman School in Chicago, uh, and we we decided to do Catholic school instead. And I went to, but I, you know what? I'm kind of glad because it was such an experience in itself. Seeing, like, getting to go to school with all the, you know, the Catholics in Chicago. Yeah. This was. I met a lot of. I have a lot of great Italian names. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. No, uh, no Ukrainian ones. Yeah, I learned about confirmation names. Uh-huh. No, at this part of where I was in Chicago, it was kind of like on the west side. It was in River Forest, so it wasn't in the city, but it was a uh, very Italian, Irish, uh, Puerto Rican. Mm. Yeah. So you met some characters. I did. Yeah. I, there was one girl, Joe Rizzo, who the first time I met her, she had a big bruise on her arm because her boyfriend Kenny she said, "Kenny hit me with a league ball," <laughs> and then one day she couldn't sit down, and she went. Because I went tanning twice because I went once and then Kenny's mom wanted to go and look and she lifted up her skirt and her whole ass was like bright red, <laughs> super burned. So it was like, I- I've never, that wasn't part of my life yet. <laughs> yeah. And then you got out of there, you escaped and went to art. I got art out of there, school. went back to public school and then was just, I started getting super depressed. Um, Why? Well, I mean, it's in my family anyway. My brother had really bad depression um, growing oh, up. Really? I mean, he still does. We all do. Yeah. And so I guess this was like my time. And um, I would, you know, late at night, like I'm either going to just keep driving and I'm going to drive west or I'm going to go in my garage and just fall asleep with the car running and it's warm and I'm listening <laughs> to music I like. And those were like... <laughs> I would just go home. I didn't ever try anything. But then my mom was kind of like, no, you, this is not good. And um, yeah. I went to the family psychiatrist. The family one. Yeah. She told me I had shit. I was wearing shit colored glasses. So I knew I liked her. Oh, as opposed to the rose colored glasses right, or right. the regular I had the glasses? Shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, suicidal ideation is not uh, it's not great, though it's a hobby of mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes me, makes me feel better sometimes. But, uh, it makes you feel alive. It does. I used to do a joke about it that uh, I used to, you know, I, I think about suicide all the time. Not that I want to kill myself. It just makes me feel better knowing that I can if I have to. <laughs> it's relieving, you know, that moment where you're like, ah, I could always kill myself. All right. Now I can keep going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so that's when um, you started getting treated for the depression? Yes. So, yeah, I started then. I um, And it was really good. I, I got on, um, I forget, you know, it's like antidepressants have come such a long way. I think I was on Lexapro or something. <laughs> yeah, you're on one of the classics. You're, one of the, come really, along the OGs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I've been on and off. That's why I really like Wellbutrin because... It's the like I feel the least amount of side effects and like I'm not I don't feel if I'm ever going through a feeling dread or whatever I'm like this will yeah. this too shall pass. So it gives you that foundation of uh, not locking into the uh, the spin, right? Which and it's a big spin. I still spin, I guess, uh-huh. but I'm like, but the dread. It, it's good. I think Wellbutrin is good for people who spin. Yeah, it's good for dread. It's like the, the like tornado, you know. Right, once it I'm starts, still everything have just them every no- Yes, yeah. And it's always very negative and you know, fatalistic. I haven't heard of a a positive spiral. <laughs> I think that's like when you're <laughs> manic. Oh, the, oh, that's true. 
That's true. That's the positive yeah. spiral where everything's going your way. I Yes, I have a lot of mental illness in my family. So I've been on the other end of the phone for a positive spiral. Oh, so but you're not bipolar. Do you what's your diagnosis? No, I'm not. Uh, yeah, depression, anxiety, boring. <laughs> Nothing special. <laughs> depression and anxiety. Yeah, I have the anxiety. I don't know if I'm depressed. I wouldn't know anymore. My dad's a depressive and we have it in the family, but I definitely have tracked most of it to different varying degrees of anxiety. Sure. Yeah. Because if you get really anxious, you'll go into a paralysis that is kind of like depression. Yeah. But it's not. It's more of a dread thing. Like, I, I can tell the difference between depression and paralyzing dread. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you think... Oh, see, I, now sometimes I'm like the paralyzing dread. And it's just like what it leads you to do. It's exhausting. And it's... The anxiety oh. I feel much more physically, weirdly enough. And then uh, the depression... I get... My hormones get all messed up. I take uh, seasonal birth control... And I have for years and years, so I only get four periods a year because I get so depressed just from mm. PM, just from my hormones changing. And I that's when I have to go like, this isn't real. This isn't going to last. And Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the trick is if you can actually step out of it to be like, this is my brain uh, dragging me uh, along here. Yeah. Like it's all I'm responding to something my brain is manufacturing <laughs> right. that has no bearing on reality. Right. Yeah. And in high school, I remember, you know, going through like, which is what's my personality and what's my illness? Now? Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. The, the, that sort of like, am I a whole self? <laughs> <laughs> right. Is the fun stuff <laughs> me or because I have anxiety? But uh, I, and I think like coronavirus really brought it all back. I feel like, you know, I worked on it, worked on it for years. And then all of a sudden being alone in my apartment for two weeks and not knowing what's happening and having someone sick and wondering if I'm sick. I, it was like I, I would oh. go days where I'd go to I'm going to choose anxiety today. And then like now As I'm going to choose depression and start, you know, drinking at 10 a.m. the minute I wake up to just to try to go to knock myself out. Right. Yeah, I think that a lot of people are having that experience. They're, they're definitely spending time with, uh, you know, either fighting who they really are or with they who or with who they really are. <laughs> yeah. With this, you know, you know what I mean? It's it's all broken down. Or they haven't, you know, dealt with it. Yeah. Yeah. I really had a hard time with that, with that sort of uh, struggle for, like, who am I? <laughs> Is this, <laughs> like, does this hat make me me? Am I like, should I dress, should I dress like that guy? You know, like I can't fucking deal with that. Right. I think it went on till like maybe a year or two ago. (laughs) It's probably still going on. Did you have that? No, I I think I'm, um, I think I'm now, I love not having to, to think I fit in or have to, I, the thing I'm like, you know what? I, I a hundred percent believe that I'm a person who likes to share joy and be joyful and i want comedy from there and you know and obviously i'm salty and i love to i bark like a dog sometimes but i don't enjoy arguing or fight you know the the thing i enjoy when i feel best is is coming from that place like a happy laughing wow that's great that i mean that maybe i should get on well (laughs) butrin jesus christ (laughs) just take take no don't do the generic because it makes your hands shake (laughs) 
See, that's what I was telling you when I took it. It got me crazy. It, yeah. Makes your handshake. Yeah, I was doing like an ad for um, the, I, it was something with, not an ad. It was like a public service thing. And I had to drink a glass of water yeah. and I just started it. And I was taking the bupropion and I was like, <laughs> it's like Donald Trump shaking. <laughs> All right, so all right, let's let's not. So tell me about <laughs> the evolution. Phase. Yeah, <laughs> the evolution of joy here. So when you finally got to the art high school and you found your people, were you like relieved? Is that where you started to realize it's okay to be a weirdo? Oh, totally. I I, I always say like I think I was the coolest I've ever been when I was eighteen because I was around all these people who introduced me to their favorite music and art and. Oh, um, yeah. I had a really good friend. This girl, Megu, lived with me. She was Japanese uh, and she was an exchange student and she lived with me and she was so funny. She had her hair permed like Bob Dylan and like one tooth that kind of stuck out. And she was a Zen Buddhist and a painter. Wow. She'd had cancer and gone to school in a hospital until she came to Chicago. And And we wound up being... Jesus Christ, that's... She was just like a super important person in my life. She lived with me. And then after I went to college, she stayed in my house and lived with my mom until she was done with high school. Oh, so she lived with you at your family house? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. She And like she took the bed and she I just remember she painted these. She got sticks from outside and painted them all black and bent them and made like a canopy for her bed. So she was an inspirational artist. She was very much so. And she hardly spoke any English, but I think I appreciated that i had a lot of friends who didn't speak english growing up really not a lot but i i think i appreciate someone who feels like i mean they have to they feel like an outsider but there was something like well we have to find other ways to communicate and that was kind of fun to me are you still in touch with her no so um my when she left when she went back to japan I had a close friend pass away right around the same time. And it was really like my first big loss. And I lost like, and just, it was all at the same time. And I kind of lost her info. And like, I've tried to look for her over the years, but her name's Megu Nakagawa. So there's just so many. And it was sort of with her being as like Zen Buddhist as she is, it was kind of like, you know, this was the way it's supposed to go. And Megu was this part of my life. And if I meant to meet her again, I will. So when you were at the art uh, high school, what, did, what were you primarily doing? She was, it sounds like she was a painter and a sculptor and stuff. Yes, I was theater, nothing cool. And so you just did straight up, like, you know, were you taking uh, the acting classes and all that stuff? Yeah, so I'd done theater for a long time anyway. And then uh, I went to college for it too. I went, got my BFA from Cal, Cal Arts. I know some people went to Cal Arts. I know it's a small school, but a lot of people went. Allison Bree. Yeah, I, she was a year above me. We were friends. You were. Yeah. She's great. I do. I do a show with her, and also Don Cheadle. We're friends too. Are <laughs> I was you? Just saying that. I'm putting that on Don Cheadle, but he can't say no now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Allison and I did um, a Chinese opera together. Really? Would that be appropriate now? <laughs> I think that's what I mean. I don't know what another name would be. That's what they called it. It was directed by Chen Shijang, um, and Stephen Merritt did the music. It was called Peach Blossom Fan. Stephen Merritt? Yeah. From uh, Magnetic, Magnetic Fields. Field? Yeah. 
It's like there's a Beijing opera style. And we had these two um, other two instructors who were like a really big deal in Chinese opera who came to try to teach us. There was like stick moves and fan work and a lot of like, yeah, I was not ever good at it. It was a lot of work. Was this part of a classwork or is this a class I offered Chinese opera or is it something you <laughs> no, did? No, we all auditioned. Oh, so someone came in. Stephen Merritt came in. We're going to do Chen this Chen at came in, yeah. Right. And worked with the I school. Get it. And it was the opening of Red Cat. They did this show. If you're familiar with the Red Cat Theater. I did. I taped my last special there. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. So you've probably seen, there's probably a picture somewhere on the wall. I don't know. I'll go back and look. I'm sure there must be some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of, the Chinese, of the Chinese opera that you guys did. Yes. Yeah. So were you doing comedy? Not yet. So I didn't really do comedy. I, I mean, we did some funny shows and I was like, I was a funny person, I think, but I was a serious actress until after college. Well, what the, now what kind of decision is that? Like you're just sort of, you get out of college at Cal Arts and then what do you do? I stayed around LA for a minute. I took a class at the Groundlings because my teacher said he, he thought I would do well. And I was sort of like, we'll see. And I loved it. And then, um, you know, I, I, I was like, I can go back to Chicago, get a really a much cheaper apartment. My parents can buy me groceries if I'm ever in need uh and i took classes and i started at second city see that was the big question like you know looking at um you know my research was like how do you go from cal arts and then just go back to chicago to do sketch right. and it was the groundlings was the hinge that's where you got turned on to it yeah you were and like it's funny, oh, i shit. used to do like i used to go talk at cal arts about you know, because people kept telling me you're giving up if you're moving yeah. back to Chicago. And it was like, number one, I'm 24, 25 years old and I don't want to be none of this feels good yet. And it's like I'm I make $14 an hour wearing a blue apron and selling wine at Greenblatt's, um, which was fun. But it was like I, I wasn't going to none of like what I thought it, my life would be didn't feel like it existed there in LA yeah next and to I the really laugh enjoyed, factory yeah at right exactly, yeah <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah. it on Sunset Boulevard I drank a lot of good wine there though that's nice so you took the groundlings class and then you went back to Chicago and you're like this is the life yeah I moved in with my friend Caitlin we had an apartment I think we each paid like 375 I worked in restaurants and did Second City. Then I worked at Planned Parenthood for two years or so. Oh, really? Yeah. And and taking classes and like doing shows for two people in the audience, wherever you could do them. What was uh, the Planned Parenthood job? Uh, I was the receptionist at the corporate office in Chicago. And so I opened all the mail too. And it was sort of like when someone calls if they look up the number online, yeah. that's I'll be the first person they speak to. Did you just do that? Was that your, did you feel like it was your social responsibility or? Yeah. I mean, I've always been um, a bit of like a, a wonk. My dad was in public relations, but his firm did a lot with like the democratic party in Chicago. Yeah. And we've just always skewed sort of 
liberal. And uh, so I really wanted to work for Planned Parenthood and <laughs> I got to be their receptionist. Like, was there, maybe Chicago is different. Were you afraid to work there? Like, didn't they get letter bombs you and know, shit? No, I, well, yeah. It, and I would open all this crazy mail that was just full of so much hate. Oh, really? But, um, and I had to open the door and we had like the, you buzz one door to open it. And then to get back, you'd have to buzz another door. But it wasn't like we weren't the main clinic in Chicago where they performed abortions. We were just the clinic near us did all the other just regular, all this, all the 80, 90 percent of things Planned Parenthood. Does. Oh, oh uh, birth control. Right. Screenings, right. cancer screenings, right, 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 all of that. Right. So you didn't have to deal with the um, with this, the pain of, of the decision every day with people coming in. No, but I do remember um, Dr. Tiller was killed while I was. A receptionist oh. and that was like a, a, a very scary day and i think I, I just sobbed in a parking lot talking to my dad on the phone yeah just there, and and it was like you know it was tough also just every single day seeing so much hate that was like this is mainly it's not really religious when they're writing those things they're saying close your legs you whores you sluts you, you're trapped i mean it was just like really awful off it was just hate and then if there was like a woman of color on our flyer that we'd send out it would be even worse and it was just non-stop non-stop yeah yeah and now look at now we live in that every day i know yeah so wait did you get you got a bfa or an mfa are you a master's bfa, a BFA? oh no oh, i'm yeah. a bachelor's i call it a big fucking asshole degree it's a lot of uh, money to pay for group therapy yeah, but it, yeah. I don't know why. Why trivialize it like that? Um, you know what? I don't as much anymore, but that's because I've paid off my loans. You've done it. You did a Chinese opera. <laughs> I loved Keller. I got to go to France. I went. You know, I toured around France at, right after I graduated with them. So I loved it. That alone was worth the loans. So how did the? Um, when did you start? working professionally for uh which company did you work for in the improv business so um well i did some professional theater as a kid and then um when i started my first real job in chicago was i did a cruise ship a cruise ship i did a cruise ship with alex who's on my show um and there was a group of five of us so we did very watered down sketch and improv for a cruise ship for four months. You were on the ship for four months? Yeah. I mean, how, how long were the cruises? Um, most of them were a week. There was a couple that were two weeks when we went up to Canada in fall, but most were a week. Did you enjoy it? Was it weird to be traveling with the audience all the time? Well, or? my mom had me convinced. I was like, there's nothing more luxurious than a cruise. <laughs> So for yeah. two months, I think I loved it. And by the third month, it started feeling a bit more like I'm stuck here. I want to. Right. I haven't spent a night on land. And sometimes, you know, when there's bad weather, we just get sick all the time. And the, and the, and the food is, gets a little weird, doesn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And And you had to do how many shows a week? Well, we didn't have to work a lot. That was the thing. I just got like, I got fat and drunk. That yeah. we only did, um, we did two sketch shows a week and two improv shows. 
Oh, okay. And then you're just wandering around. And I was like, around. I'm going to work out and I'm going to write. Uh, mm. And I did neither. <laughs> so now how does it shift? How do you shift from cruise ship to SNL? What happens? What are the steps? So, well, when I got back to Chicago, I started touring with Second City. So I got to see all different parts of Wisconsin and Ohio. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I was I Lucky started you. doing shows that I uh, I know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been all around the Midwest, <laughs> yeah. um, and worked with insane people. But uh, then I did a show at I O. Or I did a couple things at I O, and I worked in the box office there. I really liked I O, and it was the showcase there that I got hired from. Okay, Improv Olympics, and that's than... not really like there's not really a logical jump from that to SNL anyway. That's not like a thing that makes sense. No, I get it. But like, you know, but so there's the two different companies are Second City and IO, right? Yes. You, I mean, you, there's a there's a, there's a bunch in Chicago. There's, there's Annoyance, too. That's a big one. Oh, yeah. Annoyance. Yeah, right, right, right. Comedy, annoyance was started by who started yeah. the Annoyance, right? Mick Napier? Yeah, yeah. But so what was the audition process for you? How did it happen? Sharna asked me to do it. And I didn't think I was ready. And there was like, you know, everybody Who's has their information. She ran IEO. Okay. Uh, and so she was running the showcase. And it was like, everyone said, well, you can only audition once. And then Lauren will get sick of you. So you better have a really good one. Um, and so I didn't think I was ready. And I didn't do, I wasn't a stand-up. And I didn't do a lot of solo work. And I didn't do impressions. So I just, I took a, a workshop on on solo work and impressions. Uh -huh. um, I think what I did that worked was I just tried to keep everything short. Yeah. You know, a lot of people get really indulgent, like doing Sam Elliott or something. And it's like, your jokes aren't that good to fill a minute of this. Right. And there's like two other guys doing Sam Elliott tonight. But you, so you, you actually, for the audition, you knew it was coming up. You took those classes so you could nail it. Yeah. So you were just being yourself usually and making no, up I characters? Mean, yeah, exactly. Right, 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 right. So you didn't do impressions. I did some impressions, but they were kind of like, I think I did Sofia Vergara in the first one, but I did her like selling a pair of glasses that make you look like you're awake, like your eyes are open, zombie glasses so that you can right, take a right. nap. Do you want me to give you, you want, you want me to break some news for you? Please. Right now? Uh, Kamala Harris was just selected by Joe That's Biden. That's it? Wow, this yeah. is big news. Yeah. I was waiting to hear. Wow. Yeah. There you go. It just popped That's up. That's amazing. That's exciting. I, I'm a fan. I know some of my friends and family aren't quite as fond of her, but I think she's great. I think that's a great duo. Sure. Well, this is great news. Thanks for telling yeah, me. You, you got it. <laughs> so when you get to SNL, like... You know, they wanted to see you, so you go meet with Lauren. Did you have to go do the screen test? Yeah. So I did, I mean, I did everything with 80, which was really nice. We had the same, I like, love exact her. same. Yeah, I do too. And and having her, like, we really, we went to the first screen test that was all women. And then I was, I flew home the next day. And as I'm in the car from the airport, we got an email saying, we fly back. They just want to hang out with you in the offices. That's like the crazy test or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another <laughs> yeah. screen test. So I had to come up 
with new things that I didn't have ready. Um, and then another, then we got flown out one last time to meet with Lauren. And I, when I was hired originally, I, he didn't quite know when he wanted to start me on the cast. He was going to start me as a writer. Um, and then I found out that week I would, I would join the cast. It went from writer to cast that quick in a week? Yeah. I went like, I guess I'm going to have to learn how to be a writer pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't have to. No, I didn't have to. I got to stay a bozo. What? So what characters did you audition with? Just out of curiosity. Um, Do you remember? I did. Uh, well, like the impressions, I think I did Justice Sotomayor yeah. confronting the other justices about someone taking her Tony Shalhoub poster. I did uh -huh. um, Cleopatra unrolling out of the carpet you know, like that'll, and she got up and laughed and was like, do you want to be my boyfriend? Surprise. <laughs> uh, and then I did like a little chubby boy who I saw. So I grew up around a lot of like mom and pop or like Greek diners, yeah. restaurants. That's where I used to smoke as a teenager. And there was one nearby called Mother's Day. And I just remember I, this waitress had a three peat bulls tattoo on her arm that I loved. But there was this family <laughs> this really chubby little boy. And at the end of their meal, he went, that was awesome. See you next Saturday. <laughs> oh, that was one of my. <laughs> uh, you, you, you kept that kid's memory alive. Yeah. If yeah. anything is memories alive, I don't know where he is now. I love Greek diners and they don't happen everywhere. They only happen no. in certain places. Yeah. New Jersey, yeah, New York. I can't find them. Like Chicago. Like no, where in Rhinebeck? Probably not. But you could definitely find them <laughs> in in New York. There's a few. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know why they know how to do that. I mean, I think I loved these because it was like we we would go just have coffee and smoke cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. And like, you could just get sit a bowl all day. Of pasta salad, right? And sit all yeah, day. Exactly. Yeah. It's great. That's what life used to be. When is it going to come back? <laughs> um, fuck. So, all right. So you're at SNL. You like it? You like it? Were you freaking out? Uh, yeah, all of it. Freaking out. Liked it. My first year was great. I hardly remember it. And then, um, you know, it, then it's SNL. So you're stressed out all the time. You're like, it's my... You know, if you don't get something in, you're like, is this it for me? Is my career over? My fart sketch didn't get in. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just, it, and it's like, you can't complain to anybody because it's a dream job. And who would understand you crying about sketch comedy anyway? But you, you, you always get used a lot, it seems. I like seeing you. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's different. You know, it's, I think I, if, for a while I was like, I just don't want to only I don't want to be shoehorned into this one thing. I think like I'm a lot weirder than I get to be, you know, and I love playing straight roles and I love being able to support other people. And, um, but it's also fun. Like I just started, I wanted to do physical comedy in the past couple of years, which I yeah hadn't really gotten to do. And that was like a new thing for me in my seventh year to consciously do physical comedy yeah and i think it was like part of it was because that keeps it like i don't know what's going to happen if i'm on if i'm flying and i'm on strings uh my friend kent who's a writer is always putting me with a live animal 
and then you don't know what's going to happen. So it keep, and it, I kind of like that, that I'm doing this on live TV and I don't know what's going to happen. So is that, a, is that something you worked out with him that, that you're going to, you know, as many live we animals as possible? No, but I know like he, he just always tr trusts me to be able to do it. And then I'm always like such a dweeb who's like, well, I'll protect the animals. It should be me. I'm not, I'll make sure no one hurts that dog or cat. And I was yeah. like, can't he's the cat's not going to wear pants. He's not going to wear pants. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really, I'm looking out for them. So that's exciting. So like, I guess then you felt that you were more playing, a, you know, straight characters than you were kind of like out there characters. And then when, and then like, so the, so the update gig must've been like, well, this, that's like way too set in its ways in a way. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, it's, I am, I feel really thankful I got to do it. And I, you know, I was such a, like, such a fan of sets and he was our head writer and I think he's so brilliant. And like, um, so getting to do that with him was a really big deal my second year, but I did, I missed it. I would get like kind of jealous of other people creating new characters on update. Well, what sort of unfolded with that gig? Well, it became, it wasn't really, there was no like set thing that happened. It was just sort of, it didn't feel like it was working out. It didn't feel great. Yeah. I felt um, like, and I didn't then want to like be stuck to that. And right. I didn't want to only do update and it felt like updates going to need to be, have a major revision. It can't, it's not Seth anymore. And it was like, well, I don't want to, can I walk away sort of. And then, and then at one point, at the end of the summer, I felt like, oh, should I have done that? Was that a bad move? And I had a quick, like, fearful moment. But then I, I'm, I'm happy the way it worked out. And I love Michael Che. Yeah, he's great. So you talked to Lauren about it. You were like, I kind of want to do characters. Yeah. I mean, we had a lot of talks. Um, not a lot. Like, at that point, I wasn't, we weren't as close as we are. But, I mean, he, I was pretty concerned with, yeah, being able to do other, you know, it was kind of like, I don't want to be no as, and it feels again, like ungrateful or something, but it was like, I don't want to just, I don't want to be known for update and like a not great update. I want right. to do, I like doing characters. That's really fun. And I want to yeah. like, that's what I want my, the bulk of what I do on the show to be. And now you've got like a hundred of them. <sighs> and counting. Yeah. Yeah. It's on Wikipedia <laughs> yeah. somewhere. Yeah, tons of characters. Yeah. Did you like doing the White House correspondence thing? Yeah, actually I did. And everyone kind of said, you, it's a lose, don't do it. But I was such a big fan of Obama. Yeah. Um, and being from Chicago. And so like getting to have my whole family there, that was basically like my wedding. Like I don't yeah. need to get married now. I got to have that with my family. <laughs> I got to eat dinner next to Michelle Obama, you know? <laughs> yeah. So... I didn't really quite care. I thought it went well, uh, but it was more important to just like that. I got to tell Obama, like, thank you. It was just, <laughs> That's... it was important to do that. And my family, my brother um, set off the confetti cannon at Obama's Senate when, and it was so sweet. My brother then talking to Michelle and Barack and Obama's very like 
you know, it was like a, a little bit robotic at that point because he has to shake however many hands a day. Sure. You know, right. Before Corona. But then my brother came up and was like, I, he has a bit of a stutter, too. He's a big guy. He was telling him he ran the confetti can. And he was like, and the other one was broken. So I was the only one who could run it. And Obama went, wow, thank you. <laughs> and it was just so sweet. And Michelle was like, I think I remember that. And it was Aww. like, the, these are the nicest people. And to have that moment with them. So I'm super happy I did it. That's great. That's so nice. So um, what do you think? You're up for an Emmy, right? Yeah, which was super. I mean, that's funny to say, um, but it's it, that feels like I wasn't ever expecting it. So the win, I already won in that way. You know, I I'm so like the kid who's never won any awards or was very popular. So I've never put too much stock in awards. But I getting to have a day of like friends and family, especially when you haven't seen people in so long, texting you with anything, sending you champagne. It's nice to get to talk to people. And it's, it was just, that was a really, really nice day to have. It's also, it's nice to have the the recognition from your peers. Yes. But I, I mean, I think I found, I found, I would say, I like found other ways to feel like, uh, I'm I'm good enough or whatever you need in your right, eighth year sure. doing the same show. So this was kind of just a really nice feeling bonus. Oh, that's so interesting. So, you know, there you don't have any insecurity about doing the job anymore. No, no, which is I know that's bizarre, but I'm still no, like, you know, I think I like to do. I, I'm kind of like, let's let the other cast do those those straight character, play the reporter, do all these things that I did. Uh, and then I'll just come in and I want to fly with chance and that's all I want to do. Or so, you know, what, what other kind of characters you like to, you like doing like, um, kind of big you know, ditzy characters sometimes. Or just, yeah. I think like my favorite thing, uh, it's women who have no self-awareness or like they have so <laughs> much confidence and no shame. They're not embarrassed, yeah. you know, yeah. having a freak out anywhere. I, I like, I like those women. Yeah. The ones that like in public, I'll just they they start a scene and you have to watch them. It's a lot of Karens now. There's a word for it, I suppose. Yeah, but there's also not just Karens. There's just sort of like you know narcissistic kind of like uh, blowhards. I mean, yeah. like you do, don't you do? You do Piro, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, it's just this drunken blowhard who doesn't give a right. fuck. Well, I got to, I yeah. mean, like, we turned her into just a silly clown anyway, where I get to <laughs> tell Colin. And Colin, my favorite is Colin. He loves it. So, you know, I'll come to him like, I have this idea. Do you mind if I throw up on you? And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fun. And because, like, I guess because you're not that kind of person or are you? Or in your, is it a fantasy of yours? No, be... I hope I'm not. I don't think I am. No, I'm, of it's like not. I'm Midwestern. It's my nightmare to like be in a three block radius of anyone complaining to a manager ever. Yeah, I'm like, please don't well, send it back. Please don't send it back. <laughs> I was joking. I was at a restaurant the other night, or not the other night when when ten years ago, who knows, March or February. Yeah, and my friend and I were like. The restaurant said they were open. They should have been open. And this guy kept being like, well, we're closing, but you can come in. 
you can eat, you can order this or this or this. And we were like, by the end of it, we were joking, like, we we're both trying to take this man home. We were being so like, oh, thank you. So that's so great. You're so wonderful. <laughs> like we were so polite and we're tipping him. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, you got to go, I hear. Oh, uh, okay. Where are you going now? Uh, doing Fallon. This is my big press week. Oh, uh, Fallon, that'll be fun. Well, thanks for talking to me, and uh, congratulations. Thank you. This is so cool. I'm I'm a big fan. I think you're wonderful. Uh, so thank, thank you. you for talking to me. Yeah, it was great. Congratulations on the nomination. And um, I, when we get through this, if we get through this, uh, I'll meet you in person. Yes, come back to the okay. show. If I'll be there for another fifteen years. Yeah. Great. Good plan. <laughs> it's the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you later. All right. Bye bye. Cecily Strong. I, I, she's, she's good. She's funny. Saturday Night Live is back this Saturday, October 3rd. Sweat it out, Jews. Get it out. Everybody else, you know, do whatever you do. Let's play some music. Here we go. text Todd Glass what's that guy doing I feel like it's been years oh he texted me a sound file all right let's listen to it Mark happy birthday I get the whole band back together so here we go are you ready on the cowbell all righty there we go tambourine you're good to go ratchet ratchet all right there we go woodblock are you ready on the woodblock all right, there we go. Ratchet. All right, I think we're good to go. We got tambourine. All right, here we go. Give me a little rumble on that piano to help build some excitement. All right, here we go. Whenever you're ready, Jennifer. Hit it! Happy birthday to Mark. Happy birthday to Mark. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to Mark. I love you forever, buddy. 